Uh, in just a minute, we're going to go into our, our time in the Word. And uh, typically, I, I do a little introduction, and I'm going to pray. But I want to pray before we start this morning and just uh, kind of get our hearts uh, thinking about what uh, the Lord Jesus wants to say to us. So let's pray together. Father, perhaps the one thing that is, is true of almost all of us this morning is that we're emotionally exhausted. Uh, the last uh, couple of months in our country, just with the election and all of the noise that we've been listening to and the different messages that have been given to us, uh, and then the, the tumultuous um, last few days uh, have uh, just, I think, left us tired emotionally. And so, Father, I, I thank you that you are gracious and you're, you're compassionate. Father, I thank you that we don't look to any person or any country to save us. Lord, we are grateful for the land in which we live. We live in a free nation, and we're not going to be persecuted this morning for our faith. Uh, no one from the government is going to come in here this morning and tell us that we have to be quiet, that we can't vocalize our worship to you, our belief and our faith and our trust in the Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for that freedom. Father, we thank you for uh, our, our friends and our neighbors and those who have gone before us who have um, stood guard to ensure our freedom and in some ways have fought and sacrificed so terribly and so greatly uh, so that we could have the opportunity to be together here this morning and to worship you without fear. Father, we, we thank you for that, but we also, Lord, realize that puts an obligation on us. It gives us a responsibility uh, not only to, to, to guard that freedom, but to use it well and to use it wisely. And Father, there's, there's so much uh, antagonism right now in the air. I pray that you would use your people to be peacemakers. Father, not to ignore the, the hurt and the pain that some folks feel, not to, to, uh, to tell people that you know, they should just kind of press on, nor to, nor to, uh, to ignore the, the challenges that are before us. But, Father, to speak the truth in love with one another, to, uh, to care for one another, to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Uh, you remind us in, in, uh, in the book of James of that truth. Uh, you remind us that anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. So, Lord, I pray for us as a, as a spiritual family. Uh, I pray for us as a witness in this community. And I pray for us as brothers and sisters in Christ and caregivers to one another that we would consider others' interests more important than our own, that we would uh, sacrifice and serve one another well to the end that you would be glorified, to the end that your spirit and your word would be at work in our lives, transforming us more and more into the image of our Lord Jesus. We pray all of this in his name. Amen. Let me invite you to turn in your Bibles, if you have them, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're in the middle of uh, three weeks uh, talking about fearless generosity uh, and our financial commitment to Green Tree Community Church. Next week, we're going to be bringing uh, our pledge cards for We do this every year for those of you that are new to Green Tree. In the fall of every year, we make our, our financial pledge. Uh, to support the ministry and the work of Green Tree in the coming year. And in your bulletin this morning, there's actually a copy of the little booklet. That part of that page in that little booklet is actually the pledge card. So we wanted to give those to you so you could have a week to be uh, in prayer and thought about 
uh, what that will look like in your family. We also realize that if you're like me, that probably at least half of you will lose it between now and next Sunday. So don't worry, we'll have some more uh, next Sunday. Uh, I want to also remind you just very briefly about our goal uh, and financially where we, where we are. Uh, we are trying to not only support the ongoing ministries of Green Tree, uh, which as you see in the operational budget there, the two-year operational budget that covers everything, covers missions, it covers our local ministries, uh, covers our staff expenses, it, it covers our payment on this building, utilities, uh, curriculum for all of our different Sunday schools. Uh, all of those things are all in that operating budget. But then we also want to do some aggressive debt retirement. The more we can pay the bank, the sooner the more we'll have to put towards ministry. So uh, we want to be aggressive uh, and generous to the point of sacrifice uh, in order to see our long-term debt reduced so that uh, on an ongoing basis, we can put more of our resources towards sharing the gospel with others. So uh, we're going to be talking about that. We talked about it last week. We're going to be looking at it again this week and again next Sunday. Maybe you heard the story of the, of the uh, father and son who went to church every week, and every week the dad put a $10 bill in the offering plate. We don't uh, pass a plate at Green Tree. We, we receive an offering. There are little offering churches in the back, and a lot of us give online. Uh, that's easier. But uh, they were in a church that still did a kind of traditional offering, and every week the dad would take out a $10 bill and, and would put it in the, the offering plate. And at one point, uh, when the, the plate was coming by, and the father was pulling a 10 out of his wallet, and his son looked at him. He said, it really isn't worth Work and maybe you ought to give him a 20 and that guy will speak a lot quicker and be done sooner. <laughs> That's one way to get your giving up, but certainly at Green Tree, you, can't, you should not bank on the pastor being short-winded. That would be a, a gross error in, in judgment. But here is the question. How do you and I decide what we will give to Green Tree? If we are part of the Green Tree Spiritual Family, if you're a visitor this morning, you get to listen in on us talk about these things, uh, but certainly we do not expect you to, uh, to participate in that as a guest of ours. How do you and I decide what we will give to Green Tree? Now, there's one way to look at this. Understand that Scripture talks about our giving. Scripture talks about being generous. Scripture talks about God being generous to us through his son, the Lord Jesus, and therefore we to be generous to others. Scripture certainly teaches the technical side of giving that God uh, asks of us to give 10% uh, of what we own to, uh, or what he has entrusted to us. We don't own any of it. He owns all of it. Uh, but we have the, the notion of the tithe in Scripture, which Jesus reinforced in the gospel. So I know there's a technical answer to the question. But who gets fired up about the technical answer? And do you really make your decision based on just the technical answer? I would argue no. Even if, even if you say, you know, no matter what, I give that 10%, uh, I would suggest that there are other things, other factors that come into your mind. There's certainly other factors that come into my mind into how I'm going to give that. So how do we decide beyond just what Scripture teaches? What else do you consider when you think about the stewardship responsibility that God has placed on your life as a disciple of Jesus. What should we be considering? I think that's where 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 helps us this morning. Paul is sharing uh, a letter with some friends to whom he led to the Lord. Uh, these are people that have come into the kingdom of God because of Paul's ministry. He's left town. He's going to other places. He's serving uh, and he's writing back to them. Because some folks have called his ministry into question, and he wants to clarify some things. And I think what Paul sets before us this morning 
is a good paradigm for us to understand how to support the ministries of the gospel of Jesus Christ. First Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 1 through 13. I think 1 through 15 may be printed in your bulletin, but we're going to stop at 13. Hear the word of God. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. If you remember, brothers, our labor and toil, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses and God also how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you believers. For you know how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. We also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. Not as word of men, but what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. This is the reading of God's holy and perfect word to him alone be glory. Let's pray again for just a moment. Father, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to what you want to teach us this morning. Father, we thank you for birthing Green Tree Community Church in the late 1990s and for growing our congregation over the last uh, decade, now almost two. Father, we thank you for providing us this home where we could share the gospel and a, and a tool that can be used by you, uh, not only for your worship, but also for the growth of your kingdom. Father, we thank you that you have been so generous to us, not only with the gospel of our Lord Jesus, but also with uh, the friendships that we have and the opportunity we have to serve in our community and the opportunity we have to take uh, your gospel through service and, and, and through the spoken world all around the world. Father, we thank you that you have been so kind and so gracious. And we pray now as we consider our responsibility and our generosity and our giving that uh, we would not be manipulated by man's words, uh, but rather, Father, that we would sit at your feet and that you would teach us so that we could be filled with joy when it comes to the question of our giving. Father, what I have to say is just absolutely not important at all. It is only your eternal word that will give us life, and it is that for which we pray this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Uh, so a couple weeks ago, I had a really short sermon in a sentence. I don't know if you remember, but it was two words, God wins. This one's a little bit longer this week. But it goes like this, disciples of Jesus must give generously and sacrificially to the cause of the gospel. That's God's call on my life as a disciple of Jesus. There, there are verses all throughout scripture that demand that of me. If I'm going to be a follower of Christ, the call on my life is to give generously and to give sacrificially, to reflect God in my giving, okay? How, therefore, we must be ever attentive of our church's mission and ministry. It's not just about the technical teaching of scripture, but rather it's about looking at the kingdom of God for which we are responsible, which is this little corner of it, this little portion of it uh, in Kirkwood, Missouri called Green Tree Community Church. And we need to be on our toes. We need to be paying attention and making sure that our church's ministry and mission is following the gospel because the gospel is the vision. So when I asked you earlier, when, I, when I've asked myself, how do, I, how do I decide to give to Green Tree? How do, how do I make those determinations? I think what we're going to learn in 1 Thessalonians uh, 1, excuse me, 1 Thessalonians 2 this morning will be a good guideline for us, will be helpful for us in understanding. I have three observations in this text because how we verify our fidelity to the gospel and how we verify whether or not Green Tree is deserving of our support really is bound up in Paul's message to the Thessalonians. And I think what Paul ultimately says is the gospel is the vision. My first observation is this. We need to make sure that leadership is on message, that the leadership of our local congregation, which is the pastors and the elders in particular, that they are on message. If you, if you look at this passage carefully from start to finish, you will see a theme developing all the way through it, and, I, and I've bounced through it. You see it on the screen. We had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God. We have been entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. We are ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We work night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. Verse 13, you receive the word of God. Later on in verse 13, the word of God which is, work, is at work in you believers. Do you see a theme here? Do you, see, do you see Paul staying on one message? And that message is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That message is, is simply put as this, that salvation comes by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone. Whatever else you hear at Green Tree Community Church, whatever other teaching you receive on marriage and on parenting uh, and on how you conduct your business and how uh, you, you go about your life, this is the bedrock of what we believe. This is what scripture tells us. It tells us that we are lost and we are separated from God because of our own sinfulness. But God is gracious and God is compassionate in an active way. He doesn't just sit back and say, oh, that's too bad. He doesn't just say gracious words. The cross of Jesus Christ is the grace of God in action. And you and I are saved not because we're good, not because we are better than others. This is not salvation by comparison. We are saved because Jesus stood in our place and he took the punishment that we deserved for our sins. Therefore, we are saved by grace alone, but you got to believe it. 
You have to put your faith in Jesus through faith alone, and it's only in Jesus. That ultimately is the gospel. So when you see in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, or you see any place else where Paul is talking about the gospel of God or the gospel of Jesus Christ or the gospel, that's what he means. He wrote it this way in a letter to the Corinthians, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, folly to the Gentiles, but to those who are called Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. The leadership must be on message and the message must be the gospel. But it's not just that Paul gets his words correct. It's not just that Paul doesn't err biblically, theologically in what he's saying, but also there, there is a passion here from which Paul speaks. And, and, and if you read the words carefully, you can hear the energy. You can hear kind of the sizzle behind the message. I was watching recently uh, Ken Burns' uh, special on baseball, which is just one of the most amazing documentaries that ever been put together. But he talked about a pitcher in the early 1900s, and I can't remember his name, uh, but a, a player trying to describe the way this guy threw. Uh, the first thing he says, you can't hit what you can't see. But he said, I could always hear it. There was a sizzle that came with that fastball. And Paul has a sizzle in his message. The, it is the, the gospel of God, the gospel, the gospel of God, the gospel of God, the word of God, the word of God. There's passion in Paul's message. It's not just enough that he gets the, the information correct, but that the, the feeling, the emotion is behind that. Billy Sunday, who was an amazing preacher uh, earlier in the uh, 20th century, said this, Whenever a day comes that I can stand and preach God's word without an agony of anxiety, lest people will not accept Christ. Whenever a day comes when I can see men and women coming down the aisle without joy in my heart, I'll quit preaching. Paul not only has a correct theme, but there's a passion in his heart. I know you all enjoy uh, poking fun of me a bit when I get a little teary when it comes to the gospel. And that's okay. I, I understand that. And if I were sitting out there, I would chuckle at me every once in a while too. But there's a passion in the heart of the leadership of Green Tree. It says it's, it's about the gospel yesterday. It's about the gospel today. And it's about the gospel tomorrow. Leadership must be on message, not just getting the theme correct, but having hearts that are passionate along for others to know Christ. And then the, the last aspect of this leadership being on message is there must always be application to your life and my life. What we preach and what we teach, what we believe needs to get deep into the issues of our lives, whether they're big issues or whether they're little issues. The gospel speaks to your marriage if you're married today. The gospel speaks to you as a mom or a dad or a child or a grandparent or a grandchild. Scripture speaks to the racial and socioeconomic justice that we need to be fighting for in our country. The scripture speaks to the notion of starting new churches and church planting. In fact, the authority of Scripture is one of those big picture issues that, that we must uh, be true to. The application is there for all of life. It's not just enough to say this is the Word of God, but we must always say kind of the so what question. Now what do you go and do with that message? Let me give you a couple of, uh, of small, insig not insignificant, but small kind of behind the scenes 
example of this on a smaller level. It's not always about, you know, these big picture issues. Sometimes it's pretty simple. So at Green Tree on our staff, we have a, uh, we have a hard and fast rule. And we have very few hard and fast rules. This actually might be the only hard and fast rule that we have on our staff. We have a hard and fast rule on our staff that you never send another staff member a negative email. It just does not happen. And if you do it, and if you come and confess, you get forgiveness. If you do it again, you get an opportunity to go work in another church, right? And you should laugh a little uncomfortable about that, but that's true. <laughs> because we're, we're not going to allow gossip to get a foothold because the staff relationships are out of balance and out of whack. That we, we, we can apply the gospel and say, if we're, gonna have a pro- if we're going to have problems with one another, right? I mean, they don't have any problems with me, but they have problems with each other. <laughs> we do that face to face. We look each other now. We love each other enough. Now, it's kind of a small thing, but it sets a tone. There are a lot of times on Sunday mornings where we'll stand up and we'll talk about a new initiative or a new opportunity or a new ministry at Green Tree. All of those new ideas go through the filter of our session. They'll go through the filter of our leadership looking at when we went to purchase this property, when we went to decide whether or not we could afford to do a new home, all that went through the session. When we decided years ago that we were going to start Stephen ministry, that went through our session. Anytime there's a change of curriculum in our Sunday school, all that goes through the session. When we decided to launch 2028, serve our city, all that goes through the session, right? And when I stand up here on Sunday morning, I, I'm excited about what I tell you. Hey, here's, here's where we're going next. But I got to tell you, every once in a while, what I'm sharing with you is something that I didn't necessarily buy into, but you'd never be able to tell a difference, right? Because when we're inside the room, the elders can say whatever we need to say to each other. We talk with honesty, we talk with love, we talk with respect, but we knock it around. And sometimes we come away and say, most people think this is what we're going to do, so now we're going to do it. But once we leave the room, you won't be able to tell who voted which way. Why? Because we deserve that to give that respect to one another. Now, that's not a huge thing. That's not a gigantic thing. It's not an earth-shattering behavior But it serves the body of Christ well for the elders to be unified and for the elders to be humble or for the elders to be just as supportive of something that they didn't think was a great idea as the one that that was theirs that they thought was a wonderful idea. It just sets a tone that protects the church spiritually. It doesn't have to be gigantic. It can be very small. but, But being on message means that there's an application to life and that it works its way out in our lives. I think the, the first thing we should look at when we're, when we're talking about how do we support and how do we give is his leadership on message. And clearly Paul gives an example of someone who's on message. But secondly, there also needs to be an authenticity of life. And I have four sub-observations here where you look at Paul's message and you see that he's living out that about which he speaks. The first is that he's willing to persevere in struggle. Look at verses 1 and 2. You yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you is not in vain. You know, the people heard the message and replied. But notice what he says next. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated in Philippi, which was a neighboring city. You can read about that event in the book of Acts. As you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. An authenticity of the gospel means that that we're going to stay on message regardless of the circumstances. That that the, the winds of public approval don't dictate whether or not we preach Jesus or not. We're going to persevere even when things get difficult, even when others would push back against us, no matter how strongly. 
there's a, uh, a quote in a book I was reading recently from a gentleman who was imprisoned uh, in the Soviet Union. He was a, uh, a Soviet citizen, and he was imprisoned because he was a Christian. And he, and he writes this little paragraph about part of his experience in prison. It was strictly forbidden to preach to other prisoners. It was understood that whoever was caught doing this received a severe beating. A number of us decided to pay the price for the privilege of preaching, so we accepted the communist terms. It was a deal. We preached, and they beat us. We were happy preaching. They were happy beating us, so everyone was happy. (laughs) There's a person who understands what it means to, to persevere in the struggle. I don't think we have those kinds of struggles in our country today. We may someday. They, they may come our way. But there needs to be an authenticity of life. If the, the gospel does not work its way into our lives, that, in, that emboldens us and strengthens us when, when our culture or other messages push back against us, then it is no gospel at all. Paul says we persevered in the struggle, but also Paul talks about the purity of their motives. If you look at verses three through six, Paul says this, our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. Just as we've been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor the pretext for greed, God is our witness, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. And I'll come back to verse 10 in just a second. But notice what Paul is saying there. He's saying that our passion was for God. That was at the center of what we're doing. And I think that's so crucial for us as a congregation because we are the body of Christ that's wired in a lot of different ways. Some of you just can't wait till 2028 comes around. And for others of you, you're like, I can take that or leave it. Some of you just love being a Stephen minister and you love caring for people emotionally. And others say, ah, I'm not, that's not really for me. I'm, I'm a little bit more of a teacher, right? I'd rather go spend time with, with little kids and teaching them. And we're made up of all different kinds of people. Some folks love standing at the doors on Sunday mornings and opening the doors and saying, good morning, how are you? And others of you are like, just whatever you make me do, don't make me do that. <laughs> I just, that would, I just, I'm not that person. You're more introverted, right? But as we all work together, as we all use our gifts and exercise the, the abilities that God's given us, all of that turns out to be a symphony of the gospel. But we have to be focused on the fact that that is about a passion for God, not a passion about my particular ministry or your particular ministry, but rather it's based on a longing for everyone to know Christ. Not that everyone would like us, but rather that they would know Jesus and that, that our life would match our message. In verse 10, you're our witnesses. And God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you believers. Now you might read that and go, Paul seems to be bragging a bit. And I actually think what Paul is doing is, is, is voicing how, how astounded he was that he could come out of a, a moment of great suffering and continue to be passionate about the gospel. And I think he's giving praise to God that God empowered them to have pure motives and lives that match the message of the gospel. Authenticity of life is crucial. Perseverance in the struggle, purity of motives. But also Paul speaks of a balanced tone with which he taught and led and shared. So he says this, we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. 
So being affectionately desirous for you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. Paul says, we, we were like a mother to you. And that, that should uh, put some images in our mind. And I understand that not everybody has a perfect relationship with a mother or father. So I understand that, that the, uh, the illustration could fall a little short if you've come out of a situation where you've been ab- abused or, or treated wrongly. But uh, in the purest sense of what motherhood is all about. It's a notion of gentleness. It's a notion of of, of affection. It's a notion of of even being willing to sacrifice, right? That that we were not only sharing the gospel, but we gave you our very own selves. We gave you whatever we needed. When you think of what a mother should be, those types of things come to mind. Gentle and affectionate, sacrificial, you know, willing to to give of whatever needs to be given to to care for and protect the, the child. I remember when uh, Nathan was about nine years old. He's our oldest uh, son. He's our oldest, uh, our oldest uh, child. About nine years old, and he'd been playing hockey for about three years, four years. And, uh, and we were pretty convinced he would kind of take a step up that year and make the next best team. And he didn't. And Cindy and I had two very different reactions to that. So let me talk about Cindy for just a moment. <laughs> right? She was ready to go have a conversation. Peabody, you owe me a lot, by the way, brother, because uh, it would have been you she'd have, she'd have come looking for. Peabody and I have done a lot of hockey together. She, her son had been wronged, and she was going to make sure the world understood that and that that was corrected. She acted like a mama, right? She was going to care for, take care of Nathan. Paul says, we were like a mother to you. We understood that there's a nurturing aspect to the gospel. And you need, you need a hug sometimes. You need somebody to defend. You need somebody to sacrifice on your behalf. And, and that's the mom. But Paul also says, we had a balance of tone here. It wasn't just, the only thing you need is not just gentleness. If all you have is gentleness, we're going to miss part of this. If all you have is, is affection, we're going to miss part of this. So Paul actually turns the page and he says, and we were also like a father to you. Now look at the difference here. We exhorted each one of you. We encourage you. We charge you to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. There's the balance that a mother and a father bring to the relationship. So while mom is nurturing, dad is saying, well, let's talk about, you know, what are some of the next steps you can take? Let's talk about how you learn from this experience and grow from this experience. So Cindy's saying, you know, I, I think Nate's been wrong. And I did, you know, I thought he, he could have been on the other team too. I mean, I'm not going to lie about that. But what I do is I pulled Nate aside and said, Nate, here's an opportunity for you. Because now you're going to be about the best player on your team. And it ended up he, he was chosen to be the captain and he had an amazing season. And I said, now it's all about what you make out of it, right? Now, I wasn't the hero and Cindy was, 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 the, was the bad guy in that, in that story. Nathan needed both of those. Nathan needed his mom to hug him. Nathan needed his mom to, to be a bit indignant for him. Nathan needed that, that gentleness and that protection. But he also needed his dad to say, now, okay, son, now come on. Where, where are we going to go with this? How, how are we going to use this? How are we going to grow from this? How are we going to mature from this? Both of those are needed. And what Paul is saying is a balanced gospel brings both. Sometimes you and I need somebody just to hug us and tell us, you know what? Jesus still loves you. It's okay. And other times we need somebody to say, okay, now, brother, sister, it's time for us to move. It's time for us to be encouraged and strengthened in our faith. And Paul brings both of those. And I believe Green Tree Community Church needs both of these in our lives. My last observation under this authenticity of life is that Paul leads by example. If you look at verse 9, you remember, brothers, our labor and our toil 
We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. The, the notion of, of Paul is kind of like the first guy in and the last guy out. That no matter who else sacrifices, Paul is going to do everything he can to set an example of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I believe Green Tree benefits tremendously from that type of leadership when I see our elders leading by that example. So our first two observations, leadership must be on message and there must be an authenticity of life. If, you, if, you, if you're sitting in a church and there's no application of the gospel, you might take into consideration, you might be sitting in the wrong place. These things both need to come together. My third observation is this, that there must be salvation of souls. Look at verse 13. We also thank God constantly for this. For what, Paul? What are you, what are you thanking God for above everything else? That when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. Not as the words of men or the word of men, but what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. I believe that, that uh, any congregation, no matter how big or how small, is responsible to not only share the gospel message, but to see people come to Christ, to be used by God, to see people being brought to faith in Christ Jesus. And that's a question we need to constantly ask ourselves at Green Tree Community Church, because quite frankly, there's lots and lots of believers gathered in this room right now, and there's lots and lots of others that'll be gathered in this room again in about another 40 minutes or so when the second service starts. And then there's lots and lots of believers who are part of Green Tree, and they're out of town this weekend. And we could be just really content to say, you know, God's grown us, he's blessed us, and why don't we just enjoy each other? Why don't we just relax a little bit and, and, and have a nice ride? And we could lose our passion to see people come to know Jesus. I believe that, that any church that is deserving of my generous, sacrificial, fearless giving needs to be a church where people are coming to Christ for salvation. But notice the second part in the very last line there that this word of God is also what? At work in you believers, that people are growing in their faith. That they're not just coming to Christ for salvation, but a year after they've come to salvation, they can look and see how they've grown in their faith. And for others who have been believers for a while, they've, they've gotten involved in the study of, of God's word. They've gotten involved in serving on a level that they can look back and say, yeah, you know what? The last year, I've seen how God's grown my faith. I think you put all that together and you have a congregation that will seek to honor God and will seek to, to, to glorify him and will be worthy of our support, of our investment. We are not a perfect church by any stretch of the imagination. I say this before, I'll say it again. When you look around you and you go, my gosh, this is a perfect church. You just so you know, you just got hit by a bus or you just had a big coronary or something because you're in heaven, right? That won't happen this side of heaven. You're not going to find a perfect church. But I believe in what I said up front. Disciples of Jesus must give generously and sacrificially to the cause of Christ. Therefore, we must, every one of us, not just the leaders, every one of us, must be attentive about our mission and our ministry, that it brings glory to Jesus, that it brings people into his kingdom and grows their faith. Uh, Peggy Dimitri did an amazing job this last week, and I, she probably had some help with some other folks who I, I'm failing to mention, but she put together a bit of a collage that you're going to see on the screen that looks back on kind of this last uh, year at Green Tree Community Church. We're going to close the sermon with that. So I want you to, to, to watch the screen in just a second. But it's not we're, not, we're not doing this so we say, oh, look at what a great church Green Tree is, okay? If you see that, you're, you're missing it, okay? 
What you should see is the greatness of the grace of Jesus Christ and his compassion and his mercy and how it works in and through his people. And I hope that that will encourage all of us, me, you, all of us, to be generous and sacrificial in our support of what God's doing here. And I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God.
think it's appropriate that before we consider uh, our generosity uh, and our sacrificial giving next Sunday when we bring our uh, pledge cards back, um, that we remember the definition of generosity and the definition of sacrifice for all of eternity as the elements of the Lord's Supper are brought to you this morning. That Jesus left his throne and he came and he journeyed and he traveled uh, through time and space in order to take on human flesh, in order to suffer uh, and to struggle and to proclaim God's word, to be God's word, and then ultimately to die for our sins. So any sacrifice that I make in my life pales in comparison to what Christ has done for me. I mean, you, you can't even talk about him uh, in not only the same sentence, but in the same book. But any sacrifice I make, any generosity in my heart has its genesis in his goodness and in his grace and in his compassion. So it's good for us to come to the Lord's table this morning. This is the Lord's table. It's not green trees. Anyone here who is a believer in Jesus, anyone here who is his disciple is welcome to this table. Uh, we will bring the elements to you this morning. Uh, we would invite you to take the bread and take the cup. Uh, the gluten-free elements are underneath the, uh, underneath the, the napkins. Um, and hold those until we're all served because we want to not only remember God's generosity and God's sacrificial gift to us, but we also want to remember maybe today more than other Sundays just because of everything that's happening right now or has happened in the last week, our unity in our faith. That there are other things that may push us apart, but Christ always brings us back together. So we want to hold on to the elements so that we can partake together. But this is the Lord's table. So all who believe in Jesus uh, are welcome to it. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you that the blood of Jesus covers our sins. Father, we thank you that before we think about our uh, commitment to you, uh, our time and our treasure and our talents, uh, they, all of those things are in response to what you have done for us, for how far you have gone to save us. While we were still sinners, while we were still your enemies, Christ died for us. Father, I pray that you would take these elements and as the Lord Jesus is mysteriously and, uh, and spiritually present in them, that you would feed and nourish our souls. Father, we don't come in pride. We don't come in arrogance. We come in humility. We come confessing our sins. We know that we are not worthy of this table. If we come in our own merit, we dare not come at all. Lord Jesus, we come because you have invited us and you have given us the pathway through your grace. So we pray that you'd be glorified in the sacrament and that you would nourish our souls. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread and after he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after they'd eaten, he took the cup and when he poured it, he passed it to his disciples. He said, this cup represents the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for the remission of sins. All of you drink from it, because as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I'm going to ask the servers if you would come forward uh, and serve the people of God. And again, if you would hold the elements until everyone has been served, and then we will partake together.